0: often black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness but not in this space on this podcast the dialogue is always centered around women like you so join me and we'll share in the experiences and expertise on some of the most fascinating women in wellness from relationship convos to tough discussions on things like the black maternal health crisis to lighthearted banner on my own personal wellness journey This podcast will deliver everything you need to get it together physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. This is our space. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hey, sis. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Cassandra Dunbar, and today I have... A pretty good interview in store for you. I had the opportunity to sit down and chit chat with Marcia Hoffman, who is a registered dietitian out of New York City. We had a pretty good conversation and she has so many great tips and gems on um, making nutrition part of your self-care practice. But before we get into that, I would want you to check in with yourself. How are you feeling Like, seriously, how are you feeling? I feel like we're always asked, like, how are you doing? And we just always say, oh, I'm fine. Oh, I'm good. But are you really fine? Are you really good? Have you really checked in with your body? Like, is your jaw tense? Are your shoulders tense? Is your heart rate a little bit higher than usual? There's something on your mind that you've been avoiding. So take a second and just check in with yourself and make a mental note to address whatever it is that might be on your heart and make a plan towards remedying that. And if you're feeling great, I'm happy you're feeling great. Let's keep that up. (laughs) Yeah, I I just didn't realize how hard (laughs) everything was. I know I'm not like I wasn't a tech, you know, savvy person, but my goodness, there is so much that goes on behind the scenes and I'm hoping that I get better. No, I'm not hoping. I know I'll get better Well, practice makes perfect, Right. So that's what's been going on with me. Um, yeah. So I figured if I asked you about your business, I might as well share my business too, right? It's a two-way street. <laughs> so before we get into the interview, I want you to go ahead and screenshot the um, your phone right now to show people that you are listening to the Be Well Sis podcast. Share it on your socials. So that way our tribe gets a little bit bigger. If you are not following on Instagram, the Be Well Sis Podcast Instagram page is at sis well underscore podcast. Uh, please follow, join along. I want to meet each and every one of you virtually. Um, yeah, so let's make our tribe larger and stronger. And I also love feedback. I want to know what you want to talk about, what you want to hear. Please. I answered M's. Um, Let's be friends. So this week, I had the opportunity to chit-chat with Marsha Hoffman. She is a New York City-based registered dietitian, wellness blogger, avid traveler, and food enthusiast who is passionate about experiencing different cultures through food. Her website is called salutnutrition.com. And she stresses that while nutrition is important, she truly believes that life is meant to be enjoyed and feels that balance is a crucial part of wellness. She also shared her journey on becoming a registered dietitian and offered great tips to those who are also considering a career as a registered dietitian. We also had a really good conversation about choosing a career that goes against your parents' choice for you or their vision for you. Um, And she gave some really good tips on stepping out and making good decisions that both take into consideration what's in your heart and also what is realistic. Like, will you be able to make a career out of whatever your passion is? So she gave some really good insight. We also discussed the role of nutrition as part of self-care, Um, Whether or not juicing is sustainable, her thoughts on the ketogenic diet, and who might actually benefit from keto. We talked about um, eating a plant-based diet and how small daily nutritional changes can yield really massive health results. She also explained how we can know if we're eating a balanced meal. Just gave some tips for the busy woman who's on the go who wants to have a balanced meal. She gave us some really good tips on that. And provided some resources for those who are living in food deserts or who are experiencing some financial difficulty. So one of the things that she touched on was Health Bucks. And that's a New York City-based program that offers some financial incentive for residents of low-income neighborhoods to purchase fruits and vegetables at farmer's markets, which is such an amazing idea. I'm hoping that this becomes nationwide. Um, I also found two additional resources for you guys. One is called Imperfect Foods, and that is a reduced cost food program. So pretty much what happens is if a fruit or vegetable is quote unquote ugly, it's not perfectly round and symmetrical the way we see things in the grocery stores, typically the retailers will throw them in the trash. So Imperfect Foods takes all of those um ugly foods and sells them, resells them at a reduced cost. The food is still nutritious. It is still, um, it's not spoiled or anything, but they just sell it to you at a reduced cost. That's an awesome um, resource. And I have that linked in the show notes. I also have linked in the show notes, uh, Feeding America. And what they do is they work to get nourishing food from farmer's markets, manufacturers, and retailers to people in need at a significantly reduced cost. cost. So if you are experiencing any financial difficulty and that's a barrier for you to eating nutritious meals, please um, hit up those show notes. Um, There are three great resources for you and shoot, hit me up if you would like more information. I'll help you research um, what you have available in your community. Also in the show notes, I have uh, Marsha's Uh, instagram link as well as a link to her website and again her website is salute nutrition salute is spelled s-a-l-u-t and then nutrition.com and on instagram you can find her at do you salute so d-o-y-o-u-s-a-l-u-t okay so let's get into the episode Jen,
1: um, in new york city I live in Queens, um, but I work in Manhattan for a bariatric office, which pretty much is for people who want to participate in weight loss surgery. So I meet with them before they have surgery to kind of talk to them about nutrition and wellness. And then I also meet with them after surgery to make sure that they're doing well, um, keeping the weight off or helping them on their journey. Um, yeah, so that's what I, I do. And then I also started I'm um, on and off, but now on with um, a blog. It's called Salute Nutrition. And it's pretty much just encouraging people to embrace cultural foods and still be healthy. Because a lot of times you hear, oh, your culture's food isn't healthy. And I wanted to kind of combat that with the blog.
0: Nice. I love it. I actually was on your um, blog for a little bit. I was, you know, peeping what you have and I noticed two things. A, you're of Haitian descent, right? Yes, I am. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> and what I will say is that one thing, even growing up and now I love Haitian food, like it is just, it's everything. But one thing I will say is that I, when I'm quote unquote on a diet, though they're so, so not healthy, um, I'll step away from like making and eating Haitian cuisines. I do feel that even though my mom eats really heart healthy, um, it can be like either really carb dense, like with the plantains and like the dumplings and the rice. My God, the rice. Um, that I do step away from it. So, can you speak to that a little bit? So, how can we embrace like our cultural foods? And be mindful. Yeah. So a
1: lot of times, the, it's not necessarily the the food that's unhealthy. It's more of the way that we're cooking it or the portion sizes. And we kind of have to think about like our the culture's history and why things are the way they are. So, for example, like you growing up thinking that Haitian food is unhealthy, um, especially going through like nutrition school and whatnot. And it's not the fact that food's unhealthy. So let's take, for exa- example, a dish legume, right? Mm-hmm. So legume is a dish that's very rich in vegetables and it's extremely healthy. It's cabbage, it's carrots. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in it? Spinach, yep. coyote, yep. like you name a vegetable, most likely it's inside this dish called legume. Yep. But then the challenge is how it's being cooked. So Um, a lot of times a lot of oil is put into the food or it's being served with a big plate of white rice. So it's kind of just saying, okay, let's take the good parts or the more healthier parts. And then the unhealthy things, let's kind of like tweak it. So instead of serving the legume with a big plate of white rice, maybe just reducing the portions, having more of the the vegetables. So something like that. So this is kind of where... Um, I envision the blog is just more focusing on encouraging people to explore different foods and then let's figure out how we can tweak the traditional dishes in a way that works better for us as far as health is concerned.
0: So true, and I love the concept. I love the idea, and, and um, just piggybacking off of what you said about you know thinking about the culture itself. Um, I noticed that when I would go back home to Haiti, most of like the larger, heavier dishes would be eaten in the morning. So my people are from the country. Why? So you eat in the morning like a really big hearty meal, and you go out and you're in the fields all day. You know, you're tending to like your cows and your chi- your chickens and whatever else. Um, and then you come home and you have like a much lighter meal towards the end of the day. And here in America, it's just different, you know. For the most part, like we are at our desks, so we don't really do too much movement. So I, I definitely agree with that. Really good. Yeah, forward.
1: and then the thing too is that the more westernized our diets become, our you know, that's when we start having issues because, like you mentioned, we're not as physically active. We're Higher stress. We're not walking as much. We're not doing as much physical activity. Um, so then, that's when we start having all of the other issues happening with our health.
0: So so true. Yeah. Um, can we talk about your job at a um, bariatric clinic? So what? So for people who don't know um, what that would be, so how would you describe? First of all, who gets these surgeries? Like, what makes somebody eligible, mm-hmm. and what would be the process be like?
1: Okay, so um, if anyone does isn't un- is unsure, bariatric surgery is basically um, a procedure that a person goes in order to alter their di- digestive system in order to help them lose weight. So there are many different types of surgeries. Back in the days, people used to do a lap band which was a band that was put uh, to, on the stomach to kind of help you eat smaller portions, mm-hmm. that's not as popular anymore because people would end up regaining the weight or they would have issues with the band slipping and whatnot. Mm-hmm. There are also um, the sleeve, which is basically mm-hmm. your stomach is cut and it ends up looking kind of in the shape of the banana. Then there's also bypass, um, which is your stomach is cut to look like an egg but then there's also alterations being done to your intestines. And then there's also the duodenal switch, which is kind of like a combination of your stomach being cut and also your intestines are are being rerouted. So each process has comes with their own complications, which is why it's extremely important to be followed up with your care team, which is your surgeon, the dietitian, and whatnot. Okay. So, if a person is interested in having bariatric surgery, they need to have a BMI of at least 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically the BMI is your height and weight, a calculation. If a person has a BMI of under 40, so between 35 and 39, they need to have a medical condition. And this is, of course, like just a general, there's a lot more that goes into that process.
0: Okay. Okay, um, does your clinic specialize in one or the other in terms of the different types of bariatric surgeries, or you pretty much um, do them all?
1: We do. We we don't really. Well, I've only been there a year, so so far I haven't really been seeing that much. lap. I haven't seen any lap bands being placed, mm-hmm. and that's because people tend to, after a while, end up asking to do a sleeve. So we're very much um, try to look at the patient as a whole and try to prevent you from having any unnecessary surgery or whatnot. Um, And then our our office is broken down into teams. So one surgeon tends to like a different type of procedure than another. So it's all based on the person's case by case specific. So if a person has diabetes, um, the bypass may be a better surgery for them to help them manage their glucose levels better. Or if a person's BMI is very high, the dual denal switch might be a better option for them because they'll see most success with weight loss. But that is that um, the process can be anywhere between four to six months of um, the program pre-surgery. So you work together with your team to come up with what's the best plan for you.
0: Well, wow, I didn't know it was that long. That's actually really good. I thought you would just walk in, get your your procedure and be on your way. I like oh, that. No,
1: it's a long no. process. It's a, it's a long pro- I know a lot of times there's a stereotype like that's the easy way out, but it really isn't. They have to work a lot. You have to. It's not it's not an easy get skinny quick.
0: Mm -hmm. not at all gotcha so it's not like a dr miami's (laughs) clinic just walk in
1: no 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 i think the tv shows of course they always show they you know they edit things and they show people probably towards the end of the process they don't show the the whole everyday parts of it
0: Gotcha. gotcha um another am i recording okay good um Okay. Okay. So you mentioned earlier um, that most of the clinic patients are people of color, and most of the dieticians are um, not. Can you speak to that a bit?
1: Okay. So, um, not necessarily in my clinic. My clinic actually it's very diverse. But nice. what we I noticed like going to school to study dietit- um like dietetics is that the majority of my classmates were um, predominantly white females. Mm -hmm. Then when we're looking at, we're talking in class about the demographics of people with high blood pressure, diabetes, and issues like that, a lot of the demographics is people of color who are heavily affected by this. Mm So um, in class, especially when we do cultural food class. And just regular everyday interactions, you notice kind of a cultural insensitivity or ignorance. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I also kind of wanted to really get the gear or grinds going with the blog to kind of help like show and encourage people to learn about a culture that's not your own and mm-hmm. realize that there might be some similarities, e- even though there are differences.
0: Oh, that is so, so important just like in life, Um, but like, but to your point specifically in the medical community, I feel like this pretty much is what happens throughout the board, whether you're a nurse, you're a dietician, a doctor, the people of color, the women of color, especially are always in the minority. And we're learning about things that um, have to do with with people from our community. And um, the sensitivity is, is just demoralizing sometimes, you know, because yeah. you can relate to the patient, at the, even as a hypothetical patient, that if you're preclinicals, um, the intensity is just, I don't know, it's just yeah, demoralizing. And I love that you've used that as fuel to even broaden your horizon and your expertise as to what you can share with the world. I love it.
1: Yeah, so what happens is that um, as provider, we're... Patients, I guess we tend to forget that our providers are humans, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's also this challenge or issue too, where providers themselves forget that their patients are humans. Yes. So when, as a provider, I have to see a certain amount of patients within a short time and it's kind of like a bang the amount, like bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. And then you forget that this person is a person who has these issues and are are bringing these things. And then you, you have this, the textbook says this, this, that. So you kind of follow a routine and then you don't stop for a second and think about who this person is outside of the checkbox of things that your studies have taught you.
0: So what tip, if any, would you give somebody who um, is seeing a dietitian or just seeing a provider in general, what tip would you give them to feel more empowered? Um, and I, would, mm-hmm.
1: I would absolutely say be be
0: open and honest with
1: your provider like if they ask you do you have any questions tell them whatever question it is even if you think it's a stupid question mm-hmm. a lot of times like I have challenges with my patients when I'm like what, what do you eat and they're afraid because they think I'm going to judge them and I'm like I can't help you if I don't know what you're eating. I can mm-hmm. tell you to eat kale all day, but if you don't have access to kale and you don't like kale, that doesn't do any of us any good. So I'm like, tell me what you're eating and let's figure out where the, the mistakes or the hiccups are. And then let's figure out how we can switch it and help you. And I need your help to help me help you kind of. Mm, and me- a lot of times it's hard. You come in, you're scared. The office may be unfamiliar it's a new process. You're worried. No one's coming there just for like normal, you know, happy go lucky. It's a problem that needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. So people get anxious. So I feel like just be open,
0: open with your provider. And and that white coat syndrome is a real thing too. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because even myself, I'm a medical doctor. When I'm in that patient's chair, like Unless I know you and we have a relationship i I still get anxious and I still feel like i don't want to be judged, and it's insane because I know I should be sharing everything from my best right yeah, so it's definitely a real thing yeah I, I mean everyone
1: has their challenges i
0: I do too like
1: um I'm anemic and I have to take iron and <laughs> like, have I taken it the past couple of days? No. And I know when my doctor checks my levels, she's going to be like, what are you doing? And it's, it's a, a, you know, a issue. And I think as a, that's why, like, as a provider, it's important too to, to remember that you're, they're humans just like you. Mm-hmm. So when I'm with my patients and then I'm like, did you take your supplements? And you could tell there's a little hesitation. And I'm like, well, well, what is it? Are you forgetting? Don't you like the taste? Like, tell me what it is, and we'll figure it out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then so they're like, Oh, how did you know that this was the problem? And I was like, because I'm the same. I've suffered through it just like you like I don't remember to take my supplements. Here's what I do to remember to take it. (laughs) And that helps like bring down the barrier between patient and provider.
0: Absolutely, so honesty is always going to be the best policy for sure. yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned that um, at work, the people that you de- generally work with have um, like serious conditions. so it's January, um, most of us have like a resolution we want to like lose some weight or live um, healthier lifestyles what um, What recommendation would you give? For us to start making healthier changes that are sustainable. So,
1: first thing I would say is just throw out this like idea of resolution, New Year, new me, like that nonsense. Yes, you you want to make a change for the better, and you just start it. So, a lot of times we think this, and even myself, it's a new year, and I want to do all of these things, and then you get overwhelmed with all of these changes, and then you end up doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I would say just pick one thing that you think that you can work on and then start from there. And then once that becomes a habit, you start building on another thing and then build on another thing. And then before you know it, you've made a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. But of course, each person's different. Some people can do things cold turkey and they're fine. It's all about how disciplined you are and how, how much you really want it.
0: So, what would you say is one little change that we can all make that has a long lasting impact?
1: So um I guess if a person is drinking like soda and juices, even the the green juices, I would say just start off first thing, drink more water, and mm-hmm. then eat more vegetables and fruits, not juicing eating it, the actual chewing, swallowing, <laughs> eating more vegetables. I think that's the first place
0: to start. That's a good one. Um, speaking of juicing, what are your thoughts on these like fad diets? Because some people will like go a whole 10, 20, 30 days without eating and chewing. They'll just be drinking their their juices. What are yeah. your thoughts on things like that?
1: I kind of hate them (laughs) and even I get like kind of teased at work because they're always doing a challenge and they're like do you want to participate and I'm like absolutely not get away from me (laughs) and stuff and the reason why I mean challenges are fun to kind of get you thinking more about your food choices so if Someone is choosing to juice or choosing to do keto or any other type of diet, and it's helping them to be more conscious about their food choices. That aspect of it, I like. But then when we get so restrictive, whenever you take something away, you always end up replacing it with something. And then it always makes me wonder, well, what are you replacing this with? And the replacement, is it really a healthy option or if it's not? And then the point of being healthy is so that you can enjoy your life, right? To be happy. So if you're eating like juice, like green smoothie or celery juice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're hating life because your, your pores are leaking <laughs> celery, <laughs> that's not healthy to me. Like, I don't care if you're losing weight yeah, and whatnot, you're, you're miserable. And to me, that's not being healthy. So it's Definitely. all about like, taking a look at what you're doing. If you're taking something out, what are you replacing it with? And are you really happy? Do you really feel well with whatever choice it is that you're making?
0: Yeah, that's so many good points. You said so many good things in that little blurb right there. Yeah, (laughs) it's always
1: easier said than done, of course. (laughs)
0: Of course, of course. But you made a good point too. If we're just like juicing and especially like I've seen the the celery juice um, phenomenon happening, like where are your vitamins coming from? You're deficient. I'm sure you're getting a ton of whatever, selenia maybe, but you're not getting anything else. So like where are the rest of your like your nutrition, where's it coming from? That's yeah. a good thing to think about.
1: That's what I have. Um, the challenge I have with these like really restrictive diets too. And it can be okay for like it'll work when you're on it, right? Mm-hmm. But then it's not sustainable. Eventually you're going to slip and then when you go go back to you when you go back to your regular habits of eating, then you regain the weight.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then it's a a vicious cycle so for me it's more focusing on what little changes you can make to kind of help build on a healthier lifestyle
0: so i've seen the keto diet be very successful for people and i've seen people do it for like six months even like a year Mm -hmm. you feel the same about the keto diet as well or you're still not a fan
1: Yeah. So the thing with keto was meant for people with epilepsy to help manage the seizures. And nowadays, everyone's keto, keto, keto. And I mean, if it's done correctly, in a sense, it can work. But I still, again, it's restrictive. Mm -hmm. You can't have lots of different types of fruits, it takes out legumes, beans, and those things are good for you of course, in moderation. So I usually don't really care much for it. Like if a patient tells me like, I want to do keto, I try to figure out how I can get them not (laughs) not to do it unless they really want to. And most of the time I ask like, okay, if you want to do this, why? Why do you think this is going to be the thing to help you? And then if they give me reasons that I think is, is valid and they think it's valid too, then we talk about it and figure it out. A lot of times, when people people just need to kind of talk through, through things out loud, and then they realize, okay, I guess maybe this isn't the right choice for me.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Yeah, but there is space for keto. I mean, if you if you wanted the challenge, you know, it's high fat, so you got to make sure that you're getting your fat from the right sources, um, not eating like bacon and and like the saturated trans fat foods that are going to cause you
0: have issues with your heart later on down the line. And I've seen like, when I look at the keto blogs and whatnot, I see a ton of animal like uh, fats in those yeah. diets. So what are some healthy, healthier fats? What are some good alternatives?
1: So those would be coming from like your, your plant-based. So like your nuts and seeds um, primarily. Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as like, um, plant based, gotcha. Coconut oil or um, any of those like plant oils as well.
0: Okay. And uh, speaking of plant based, what are your thoughts on a plant based diet?
1: <laughs> so plant based diets, I think are fine as long as um, you're you're being mindful of where you're getting your protein. You're making sure that you're getting your B12 and iron, whether mm-hmm. that is from a supplement. Um, but they're good. Like the more vegetables and fruits that we're eating, the better.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sometimes too, though, it just depends because, like, my um, best friend would complain about her job whenever it's meatless Monday. She's like, it's it's carb Mondays because all they give us is like a lot of pasta. Yeah. So you could technically be plant based or vegetarian, vegan, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy diet because you're getting like highly processed foods, or you're just eating the wrong things. Mm. So everything has their pros and cons, I, I say, which at times can aggravate patients because they, everyone thinks everything's black and white. And it's like, no, it's not. So it's finding out what's in season and exploring that your foods there.
0: And what about for people who might be in a food desert? What are some options um, mm. that you may know of? So, um,
1: I'm more familiar with like New York city. So we have like NYC grow, I think it's called mm-hmm. the, What the site where, um, there, are, there are lots of programs that are around to help people be able to afford vegetables or fruits, um, mm-hmm. at a better price, I guess. I kind of lost track of what I was saying. Thanks. So, um, New York City has the Health Bucks program, which you go to certain farmers markets and you participate in a cooking demo and they give you a $2 coupon to buy vegetables. Oh, nice. That's such a yeah. good an idea. And then there are other like so the Health Bucks program is not only just the farmers market, but other programs can give you coupon, those $2 coupons in order to buy what, um, some vegetables and fruits at the farmers market. So I think it's just going typing in going into your 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 city or your state's government page mm-hmm. and seeing what's available to you. Also local libraries too tend to have information available to pay people to know like what's around, what's free, what's more cost efficient.
0: Oh that's so good. Listen, libraries are such awesome resources that a lot of us sleep on. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely.
0: Besides books, you can, like, rent, um, like, audiobooks, You can get um, DVDs. Yes, like, so many things that, honestly, I'm just learning about myself. But mm-hmm. libraries are so, so good. Okay, that's Yeah, cool. so
1: I would recommend checking out your local library, seeing if, they, um, if there's any information there. Checking out your, your local website, local farmer's market, seeing if there's anything equivalent to a health book. Um, in your area I know New York City we're kind of lucky where they do have a lot more programs for the underserved than other states but each state does have their own their own thing mm. order- and then, I'm sorry and then also kind of like so in order to eat health nothing good comes easy so you're going to have to like hustle so if it's buying frozen vegetables meal prepping Making sure that you use every part of the the meat or every part of the
0: vegetable, then that's what you need to do. Okay, so what are some easy nutritional guides for the busy modern woman? So you mentioned meal prepping, eating all of the all parts of the meat or of the vegetable. Um, what else would you think of? So if I want to just quickly change my life and, and be healthy, what would you suggest? Like a rough diet i guess you'd say
1: um so always make sure that you so we have this thing that it's called the my plate or the healthy eating plate which is just making sure that half of your plates is fruits or vegetable and then making sure a quarter of it is like a whole grain Um, and then the other quarter is your protein which uh, meat for the general american diet So making sure that your plate kind of looks something like this for your meals is a great place to start. So, for example, for lunch, having um, grilled chicken with a salad and then having maybe sweet potato. And that's kind of like a balanced meal.
0: Okay, nice. Mm -hmm. sweet potatoes are found like year round, which is why I love them, too.
1: Yeah, they're they're really good. They have lots of fiber in it as well. So. Mm-hmm. makes me feeling full
0: into the field what inspired you
1: um so I was originally studying for pre-med of course like mm-hmm. as any Haitian right, <laughs> will right. tell you you'd be a doctor and that's it right um but then my senior year of school I, I went to school at Stony Brook University in um, Long Island New York mm-hmm. so my senior year I n- realized that the amount of schooling it's going to take my specialty that I wanted to do is optometry was Mm -hmm. going to take a very long time. And there was only 17 schools in all of like North America, only one in New York state. So I'm like, most likely I'll have to move. Do I want to start a family? How is this all going to work? So I I was figuring my um, godmother's best friend's a dietitian and I realized I really love food. I love culture. It's in the health field and there's lots of flexibility um, and room for growth. So why not do this? Mm-hmm. So my last my senior year, the spring semester, I'm supposed to graduate. I decide I'm gonna go and be a dietitian. <laughs> so I ended up having to go back to school after I graduated with my bachelor's, do a second bachelor's in nutrition. And then um, there's a one-year dietetic internship that we have to do, which is a training. Um, you work nine to five, don't get paid. And depending on what your program, it's also a combined master's. Oh. And then, um, so I finished the program, finished my master's, and then started working.
0: Wow. Wow, that's awesome. First of all, I love that you had the foresight um, to think about what you really wanted to do. Like, do you want to move out of state? Um there's only 22 programs in the country. You would like to start a family at one point. I love that you like really thought things through. A lot of us just go and do what our parents want us to do. And then when we're done doing it, we're like, ugh, is this what I really yeah. want? You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even still, I was a second, kind of a second career. So, um, I mean, of course, other people would be like, oh, no, you're still young. But I'm like, man, I wish I had figured this out sooner then I wouldn't have had like to go through this whole process of being an undergrad all over again. But um, yeah, it's important to kind of figure out what you want for yourself, not really what your parents want from you. And it's kind of hard in our community, Mm -hmm. especially if you're kind of, if you're a first generation American, Mm -hmm. you have all of this like um, pressure. Yes. Yeah. Your family came here. They worked hard. Um, or this idea of the American dream that our generation kind of like fell in this trap where, oh, you work hard, you go to college, you get a job, get a house, and all these things. And then now it's not necessarily as easy for us to get those things that maybe our parents were able to.
0: Definitely. I, I feel like a lot of us were bamboozled, to be honest. Like, the amount oh, yeah. A <laughs> lot of debt that the, the majority of us have is is crazy. Um,
1: oh, my, yeah.
0: <laughs> our generation did not have this at all. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So my advice to everyone is to really think, am I going to be happy? Me, not my parents, Like me, am I going to be happy doing this 10 years, 15 years from now? You know, along with all the baggage, AKA the debt that I I acquire, is it gonna be worth it? And it's okay to like not do what they want you to do. Um, Or trying to
1: figure out how you can um, make it work. So, for example, I knew that I needed a health, like a field in health in order to like. Make I love health, but I needed something to kind of help appease my family as well yeah. because yeah. all of this like stress and whatnot. So I figured I loved nutrition mm-hmm. uh, that's still in health, you mm-hmm. know. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a doctor, yes. And on top of that, like, uh, last well, not now, it's two years ago, so we're in 2020. Mm-hmm. In 2018, at the job that I was working at that time was not working for me. And I knew that I needed something different. And mm-hmm. I had a love of travel. So I took a, a sabbatical to travel for a bit in order to like learn about different food cultures. And then now I have some like source materials to do things with my blog. So there's always a way to kind of combine your personal interest with like your career in a sense. And I think um, sometimes you're kind of afraid to tell your parents, or family that you have this interest because it doesn't fit into the box that mm-hmm. they envisioned for you. Mm-hmm. So it's all about finding out. So if you, you know, resources or whatever, you're kind of forced to be in something, figure out how you can make your interests work for whatever it is that you have to. So if you're, your family is stressing you to be a medical doctor, but you want to do photography or something, figure out a way to combine the two together.
0: Mm -hmm. definitely and I think our generation the good thing that we have is that we have we have such we have the internet and the internet like opens up your opportunities you know what I mean like oh yeah like I didn't know that there were certain professions up until like a certain like a few years ago I'm like wow you can actually do this and like make a living doing x y and z that's amazing um our parents did not know and they have a very limited view of what success is um which is why they put so much pressure on us to be the three things doctor nurse or engineer right yeah Um, so I think it's it's amazing I love that you um did you followed your heart but you also used your brain you know like I need to be in this field because I like it and because um and also marry it with this because what my passion is I love that Thank you very much, Marsha. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. So where can our listeners find you?
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. Um, So you can find me at salutnutrition.com, which is S-A-L-U-T, nutrition.com. Also on Instagram as well as Salute Nutrition. I also have like my travel blog, which is Do You Salute? On Instagram, you can find them. Uh, some things that I have up and coming is February. The last week in February is going to be Healthy African Food Week. Um, so it's Black History Month. And I wanted to kind of like highlight some foods and from Africa, kind of get people thinking about different types of food in Africa. I guess I said that already. But. I love
0: that. I love that. I love the. Um, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then so I also had um a show that I did was called Salute Eats and it was about first generation Americans kind of straddling the food culture of their parents and American um, and American food culture. Mm-hmm. That was on on my YouTube and then now I'm in the process of doing Salute Eats season 2, which is where um from that trip that I took last last um a couple last fall. Mm-hmm kind of going down memory lane. So I'll be trying to recreate some of the food dishes from my travels. So I'm excited about that.
0: Oh, we're going to look out for that. I will link everything on the, um, where did you go? Just as a side note, where did you go last fall? Um, So I was kind of um, all
1: over. I I started off in Norway and um, Oslo, Mm -hmm. and then I kind of worked my way. So I was there. Then I went to Bosnia, Sarajevo in Bosnia. then I was in Athens, Greece, and then I spent a couple of times, well, a couple of weeks in Spain. So my degree from Stony Brook is actually in Hispanic languages and literature. So I was like, "Oh, let me make use of this degree." Wow. <laughs> um, and then from there, I spent a month in Ecuador.
0: Nice. Well, you are just inspiring. I love it. You've been everywhere. This is great. Yeah.
1: So the places I picked where it's strategic. Um, I wanted to explore cultures whose you know the BMI is a bit on the lower end mm-hmm. or that doesn't have um such a struggle with obesity as other um places. Mm-hmm. Or cultures whose diets are considered one of like the healthiest. So that's why I visited Norway because they're, you know, the Scandinavian countries tend to be high in the ranking of health. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Mediterranean diet, which is kind of considered one of the top best diets to have. Um, And then out of the South American countries, Ecuador's diet tends to be very good and that's probably because of the location so close to the um the equator there they have such an abundance of fruits and vegetables
0: um over there it's amazing nice um and I have a one more question actually two more questions for you one I've never been I actually haven't been to Europe at all so mm-hmm. what was your experience in like Norway and like the way up north of Europe. Like, what's um, the like woman of color there?
1: Um, it was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. I had, I had such a great time. I mean, I was there in October. What wasn't a good time is how cold it was mm-hmm. and how unprepared I was for oh, the no. cold. <laughs> because <laughs> I had like a small luggage. I was not really backpacking, but I had a small luggage. So, I could only pack but so much clothes, and I wasn't expecting it to be so cold in October. Gotcha. So, the weather was disrespectful in that sense, it was so cold. (laughs) But, um, the people are extremely friendly. Um, every everyone for the most part spoke English, so I didn't really have a challenge with that. But I'm a person who I really love culture, so whenever I travel, I try to learn like at least. Uh, like top 10 phrases. So whenever I would say like um, talk, which is thank you, they would like chuckle and then be a little bit more helpful. Not that they weren't helpful in the first place. Yeah. So actually um, when I was there, I researched, they have an African culture center there and a restaurant. Um, So when I went there, they were in between chefs, but I had an opportunity to interview the owner of the African culture center in, in Norway. And that was such an amazing experience. Um, he talked about like his coming to Norway from Africa and the purpose of the center and, um, just about our peoples. And it was such an amazing experience that who would have thought that you would have that experience in Norway. Norway. So that was really fun.
0: And will that be on, uh, in the
1: YouTube series, YouTube. Series? Um, so that actually, I had put up the a version of the interview on my YouTube, so it's up
0: there already. Oh, awesome. And is there um, a big um, African population there?
1: Um. So they have a a population. I don't know if I would say it's big. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was some like type of agreement or something between. Norway and the East African countries so most of the time when we did see someone black there Mm -hmm. they had more of the East African features like Ethiopia um so that population is more of East African but they did um but that culture center kind of just covers Africa and the African diaspora in general
0: gotcha okay Um, Okay. And then my last question for you is actually second, two questions. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine.
0: Um, What does wellness mean to you?
1: Um, So what does wellness mean? So for me, wellness is kind of, um, that's a good question. It's more like mind, body, and soul. So it's not necessary when they're all aligned together. So I can physically feel okay, but maybe I'm not dealing with my emotions or I'm not able to express myself and then that you're kind of out of whack. Mm -hmm. But then maybe you're able to express yourself, but maybe you're not eating well and that's not good either. So it's making sure that you feel your best, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally. So whether that means... um, Making sure that you go to church or you speak to your higher being, you're meditating or whether it's speaking to your friends or um, setting up things to make sure that you yourself are at your optimal, that you're thinking the best, you're thinking clearly, you feel well in order to be able to do whatever your mission in life is. Whatever you're put on this earth to to do, that you're you have the tools to do
0: it. Ooh, so I don't know if that makes any sense makes perfect <laughs> so good and then last question is I love books um and what I'm trying to do is I want to get back to reading so yeah. um my question for you is what would be one book recommendation that you'd give me and it could be about anything
1: okay um Let's see. <laughs> um, I've had. Um, I used to. I'm um, used to be such an avid reader, and then since starting like blog and life, yes. I've kind of fell through on it. And then um, my husband is a big reader now, and he kind of makes fun of me all the time about <laughs> you don't read anymore. And um, so George Perec is is um, a author. I mm-hmm. think he's French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, I want to say he's a French author. Mm-hmm. He has this book that I'm currently in the process of reading. It's called A Avoid, mm-hmm. um, A, and then the word void. Okay. And it's extremely interesting because the letter E does not exist in the book at all. Huh? Yeah. He wrote it and it, it's written in French, translated into English. So I think it's an amazing piece of work that, he created this whole entire book without the letter E. And then I think the translator is amazing as well to be able to translate this work of art from French to English. And it, there is no letter E in the book at all. Wow. And it doesn't look like it's reading perfectly fine. Like there's nothing like, I, like it doesn't seem off. And while I'm reading the book, I'm always thinking, what word could they have used here? That's an e, but didn't because there's no e. And I'm ha- I'm having difficulty finding something that looks off that they used because they they couldn't use a e letter
0: word. That is interesting. I'm very. Yeah. Intrigued. I have that on my list now.
1: <laughs> so yeah. much
0: for the interview again, and for all of your advice and your gems, and just your story. I really, really appreciate listening to. You. Um, we're Thank speaking- you. I know the listeners will get so much from this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't she a gem? This was honestly the first time I ever spoke to her and I was a little bit nervous to speak to somebody or to interview somebody, excuse me, um, without actually having a prior conversation. But she was so knowledgeable, so warm, so friendly, just just a good time. So again, you can reach Marsha at Instagram and she is found at Do You Salute Nutrition, D O Y O U S A L U T. And her website is www.salutnutrition.com. S A L U T, nutrition.com. She also has a YouTube series. Um, So please uh, go to her website and you'll find more information on that as well. So thank you so much for joining this week. I hope you found a gem. If you found anything even remotely helpful or entertaining, please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast as well as give us a five-star rating why not <laughs> if you have any um, questions on anything we talked about here in this episode please feel free to send me an email my email address is bewellcispodcast at gmail.com or slide in my dms on instagram we are at underscore podcast. So, yeah, thank you for everything. Thank you for rocking with me this week. And I hope you have a great remainder of your week. And we'll see you next time. Be well, sis.